out. So I want to I want to regain my heart in some areas and, and stay checked in to the processing of God in my own life and in our midst. So I just wanted to share that as perspective. Amen. Um, amazing. We didn't talk ahead of time, but just even his, this often happens, right, when the Spirit of God is speaking, but um, the wording that he just used, adulthood, that God is bringing us into adulthood, and all that's been burning in my heart is maturity in our faith. It's time to grow up, and I know that sounds like direct, but there's an invitation for us to actually grow up in our faith and not be babies anymore, so you guys are good. You don't have to play the whole time. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, it does produce the mood, right? <laughs> um, so uh, any of the kids that want to go down, uh, Mr. Joseph and Catherine Robinson will be down there. Woohoo! It's I believe that, 100%. <laughs> Lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Adults, you have to stay up here as much as you might want to go down there with them. <laughs> because it will be fun. So awesome. Um, yeah, so we're going to be in an Ephesians 4, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about being mature in our faith and what that means for us, because I really believe that something that the Spirit of God is saying is grow up. I've heard it myself. I, I, we were in Wyndham, New Hampshire at our hub church last weekend, and we were a little late to service because of a conversation we had had that morning and when we walked into the room worship was going there was you know the spirit was just bomb into place and I'm like hit again grow up it's time to grow up and Sean the leader down there he gets up and he starts to say we need to mature in our faith it's time for us to to have faith and, and that's what Joseph was just saying the testing of your faith produces perseverance, right? It's not that we just pray, give me perseverance. It's the testing of our faith that produces perseverance and endurance in us. And we're going to get to that later on. Um, but want to start talking about what does it mean to be mature in our faith? And I was thinking, you know, we've just went for weeks on the religious spirit and the religious spirit pretends maturity, right? <laughs> like the Pharisees, they were quote-unquote, the highest of the highs for all the religious community. They were the know-it-alls for everybody, but it was not a true maturity. They were pretending maturity because, and how do we know that? Nothing in their life displayed Christ. Nothing in their life displayed truth, actual truth, the fruit. And I think that that's such a key as we start, just have that rolling in your mind the Bible says multiple times that we're to display the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 6. I mean, we think maturity is knowledge of the Bible. That's not maturity. The Pharisees knew the Bible, and that's what they thought was maturity. They thought that what they were doing and what they were walking in and understanding was maturity, but it was not. Maturity is walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control in your everyday life, in your marriage, with your children, at your workplace, in the church, in your relationships. You're bearing the fruit of the Spirit and submitting yourself to His work in your life, real maturity. 
Matthew 11, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. They were offended by Jesus and John, right? Everybody, the religious community were offended by him, by them. And what does Jesus say at the end of that chapter? He says, but wisdom will be vindicated or justified by her children or her fruit. So they were judging John, saying he had a demon because he was fasting and praying in the wilderness, and he looked like a madman. And the religious community called, said that he was demon-possessed. That's a pretty harsh judgment. And they said Jesus, the Son of God, creator of all things, they said that he was a glutton and a sinner, the one who was actually perfect. And Jesus' response to them was, yeah, we didn't do what you wanted us to do, but you're the ones out of step, not us. Because wisdom is vindicated by her children or by the fruit that her life produces. You look at the fruit of John the Baptist's life and the fruit of Jesus' life, it's eternal, right? It's lasting, going on forever. And then in Matthew 7, Jesus says, you will know a true by it, tree by its fruit, by what it's producing in its life. And that's why when we're talking about sound doctrine, that's why we emphasize that a lot, be grounded in sound doctrine. And sound doctrine is not head knowledge. We've said that a million times. Sound doctrine is knowing what you believe, why you believe it, truth, and living it out. It's not sound if you're not living it. It's a religious spirit. If you have head knowledge and you're not living it, it's hypocrisy. If you have the head knowledge and you're not walking it out, walking it out in truth. And there's invitation for us to step into a place of maturity where we're not just displaying knowledge, but our lives are demonstrating the power of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, this lasting fruit in the earth. I just want to think about when we're talking in Hebrews, uh, not Hebrews, sorry, um, Ephesians 4. I'm going to read 11 through, uh, where is it, 16 to start. And we, we've talked a lot about this um, in Sotal Leaders. Those of you who, know, who are here should still know what Sotal Leadership means. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rob. <laughs> Soto leadership, that's a terminology we are using to describe the, the leaders that God has gifted for the big C church, which are those leaders found in Ephesians 4. Also known as the fivefold leaders. We don't like to use that terminology because there's a lot of bad baggage <laughs> around that terminology. So we don't use it because we still believe that these gifts are for today. So in 11, it says, And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed, speaking of Jesus, and gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of the ministering toward building up of Christ's body, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate, I'm um, in the amplified, full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood. 
really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in him. It's a mouthful in the Amplified. But basically what Paul is saying to the church of Ephesus, he's saying Christ has given gifts, these particular gifts, to the global church for the equipping of the saints so that we might mature, so that we might grow up in our faith, so that we might be established in our faith. I mean, if you think about it, I was just thinking myself between you know, someone who's, you know, in the natural, mature, and immature. And I, I mean, thankfully, Kiara's the only teenager in the room today. Sorry. But teenagers often think that they're really mature. <laughs> and I, I, I'll exclude you. You know, you're, you're laughing with me. I was nervous if Landon and Amy were here today. They might actually be offended by this statement. But uh, but I, rem I was remembering myself as a teenager. I think any of us, especially if you're in your 30s or above, you remember when you were a teenager, you thought that you knew everything. And you were, you know, just had a chip on your shoulder. Your parents knew nothing, though they were providing everything for you, and you could not live on your own. So you're 100% dependent on them, yet thinking that they know nothing in life, and you have all the answers. Very interesting. Um, they don't have much life experience at 15, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, even to 18. You don't have a ton of life experience. You've grown up in your household with your parents. You're going to school. You've not experienced a lot. Maybe some have, but at that point, many have not much life experience. But they think they know everything despite lack of life experience. And then think of this, though. So that's a teenager. Imagine a 50-year-old who lives like a teenager still. I know one. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I'm saying it's very like, oh, goodness, gosh, grow up. You know, the way that they interact, they know it all. They have all the answers. They're still trying to be cool and be accepted by everybody and uh, you know all those things that teenagers typically do because they're not fully secure yet it's just part of life i think we all know we've related in some way you're awkward you're insecure and you're trying to be secure and it's a weird middle ground but when you're when you're seeing someone in their 50s 60s 40s 50s 60s that's still acting like they're 14 years old everyone in the room would look and say man they probably had some trauma growing up or maybe there was something really bad that happened to them we wouldn't say like oh it's fine you know that just happens we would immediately attribute that something went wrong in their life that they didn't mature past that teenager year right I mean, and that's, think about it now spiritually. You have someone, a new believer in the faith, and I'm saying five to eight years in, you've walked, you've given your life to the Lord, you've walked with the Lord. That's a newer believer, five to eight years. You may learn a lot. I remember, I grew up in a Christian home. Parents loved the Lord. And I had Christian experience, church experience for much of my life. I had a relationship with God. 
I remember saying a prayer when I was five. I remember at 12, an encounter with God. And then I remember arrogance from that point on. <laughs> Religious arrogance, really. I just, I was very prideful and thought I, I was that person I was just talking about. You know, thought I knew it all and got in arguments because of it. And so I was new in my faith, even though I had a lifetime in, the f in Christianity. Um, but I didn't have much knowledge. You know a new believer when they s think they know everything because the more you get to know God, the more you're like, I know nothing, right? That, that's <laughs> actually the more mature you are in the Lord, you're like, man, he's infinite. I have no idea about anything. He could do anything <laughs> he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do. It's like that's growing up in the Lord. The immature ones are like, yeah, we know. We absolutely know. And the God then immediately becomes in a box to them and you're just like well you'll learn <laughs> at some point life experience or, or, or experience with God's going to come that's going to challenge that box around God and the longer you've walked with the Lord the, the more that box is being destroyed because that's just what God is doing it has to be that way um, but then think of someone who's known the Lord and walked with the Lord 20 30 40 years and is still living like someone who's only five years old in the Lord, doesn't know the scripture, doesn't know why they believe what they believe, comes on a Sunday, goes home, and that's it. There's no connection. They don't understand why church. Church to them is a Sunday morning experience that lasts two hours max, and then they go home, and, and life's the same from that point on, and they repeat. And that's Christianity. And for so many, that is the experience of their Christianity. So sad. They're stuck in immaturity, this immature faith, this immature belief where Sunday is the crux of Christianity, and then that's it. And then you ask any question, well, well why do you believe that? Well, I've been told, or that's just what I've always known. No, that's not, that's not mature faith. That's not maturity in the faith. Maturity in the faith is when someone comes to ask a question. I'm not saying we need to know everything, but when they come to ask us a question, we're grounded in our faith. We know the, the basics of God's plan for the church. Why the church? What his plan is through the church. Where scripture talks about his plan through the church. And it's so sad that for years and years and years, and, and not only that, is that's one side of maturity, but another side of maturity is faith. Not the faith. When I say the faith, that's sound, I'm talking sound doctrine, understanding what you believe and why you believe it and living it out. There's also faith, Hebrews 11, faith. The assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. That type of faith will be displayed in a mature believer for instance, many of you know I was bedridden with chikungunya, and doctors told me I would never walk again. My faith was so tested in that time of my life to believe that God is healer, because I had seen him heal. I'd had the experience of it already. But to be in that situation myself where what my natural circumstance was telling me was that God was not healing me. And instead of coming under a lie that says God does not heal 
or a lie that he doesn't care about my situation or the li- all the lies that the enemy was trying to discourage me and weigh me down with instead of coming, and I did come under that. I'm not saying I did it perfectly. I did come under that. I was in depression for a time because I wondered, but I got to a place, like many of you know, where I said, no, I'm going to believe the testing of my faith. I'm going to believe God is who he says he is despite what my circumstance is telling me. That's mature faith. When you don't understand what you're seeing and yet you can rest in God's greatness and his ability and say, even with this right in my face, I'm saying God is healer. God is great. We had a a family member pass away unexpectedly. Several in this family have had that in the past two years. That's a very hard situation when you're standing and believing in faith for healing and the person passes away. That's a testing of your faith. Will you still believe that God is good? Will you still believe that God is faithful? Will you still believe that God sees and that you take what the enemy meant for evil and you're going to turn it for my good? That's a testing of our faith. That's mature faith. We can have emotions. That's going to happen. I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking about stability where we're unshakable in believing that God is who he says he is, period. And that's what I believe is the invitation to grow up in our faith. Don't be wavered by any situation that might come that contradicts in the natural what we know about God. Our plumb line is the truth about who God is, and that produces maturity, perseverance, and endurance in our lives. But when you have someone that's gone 20, 30, 40 years in their faith, and every circumstance that comes their way causes them to doubt that God loves them, and they come under this dark cloud and wonder, you know, where is God, how is God for years and years on end? And they just keep going to Sunday service. That's immaturity in the faith. They're believing lies. It's become a cloud. It's actually gotten in their way of seeing God for who he is and actually saying it doesn't matter what the world says or what my circumstances say. I believe God, period. I'm going to believe his word, period. That is a firm foundation. That is an unshakable foundation. That is what it means to hope in God and not be disappointed because our plumb line is truth. And that's what we're, the whole purpose of these five ministers are to bring the church into that place of maturity, both in understanding truth, what the word of God says, and being grounded in it, and then also mature faith. It says, going on to 14, He says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful speaking, but scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. (laughs) 
Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So every person in the body, every part of the body needs to be working properly in order for us to grow up into the faith and as we just read in the verses prior to that, the full maturity, the standard of full maturity is Christ's perfection. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty high standard, right? So all of us, there's no end date until we get to heaven, right? The standard is Christ's perfection. So we're all on this journey of maturity to the standard, which is perfection, Christ all that he demonstrated in the earth, which could be accused of you, well, you could be accused of being a sinner <laughs> by living like Christ, right? Or a demon-possessed person by living like John. <laughs> it doesn't mean that everyone's going to accept you and love you. The standard is Christ. You will m most likely, it is very probable I could, assure you, <laughs> you will be rejected by some, if not many, because of advancing in maturity. But this is what we're destined to do. And as a body, as we mature together, we're going to shine in the earth. God will be on display, both in the spiritual realm, like Ephesians 3 says, and in the natural realm through our lives, through demonstration of his spirit through us, and that we're not just tossed here and there, and there's divisions all the time and, and strife just popping up all over the place. We won't be dealing with those things as we grow up into maturity. There'll be unity. And I just want to, uh, in the beginning of Ephesians 4, I believe that I'm doing it backwards because I believe that what Paul is saying about the maturity of the faith is displayed in verses 1 through 6. And then he's the invitation, grow up, <laughs> mature. This is what we're going for. I, God has actually gifted people to help the body grow up. And those people probably annoy everybody <laughs> because it's touching all the places. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Oh, why do you keep talking like that? Oh, I don't want that. That's their whole purpose. <laughs> Thank you, God, for all the annoying gifts you gave to the body to challenge our levels of maturity and understanding to pull us forward as a whole community into maturity because that is the goal. We're not just meeting on a Sunday to meet on a Sunday. We want the fullness. We want all that God has, and it's time, and it starts with us individually, in our marriages, in the church. It has to be across the board. It can't just be in one area. And, in, and starting in this chapter, Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. He's begging, and he's actually in prison. He's in prison because of the gospel, because of his life. So he has a, a lot of authority here because he's actually living it out. He's been in prison because of his faith. He says, I beg you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. 
How, what is the manner worthy? He goes on to say, with all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. These are not some massive, huge theological things that we need to grasp. He's saying walk in humility. That's the manner worthy. Lowliness of mind, serving like Christ. Christ went to the lowest place. He is our perfect example of humility. That's not hard, but we avoid it because it's hard for us inside. It's hard for, we want to do the external things. It's a tendency of us to just want to have the, the words or the knowledge. And he's saying, no, walk in a manner worthy with all humility, gentleness, being gentle with one another, patience. It's so hard to be patient. You know, I've heard people say, don't ever pray for patience. <laughs> You'll never know what God is doing. It's like doomsday. Like, oh, no, that, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> the immature person prays for patience. <laughs> Those of us who know... Know that it comes, no matter whether you pray for it or not. <laughs> He's going to test your patience. No, he'll give you opportunity to walk it out, to be stretched in it, to actually walk in it, to be patient, to be gentle with people, to go low. I mean, it's hard when you're in conflict with somebody to choose the low road. Any of us that's been in conflict where you feel you're right and they feel you're, they're right, the one, I mean, in marriage, that's how it is too, Right? One feels they're right, the other, well, who's going to be the, the humble one? Yeah, he is so humble. He is like the most humble man there is. And every time he does, because the most of the time, I'm being honest, most of the time he is the one <laughs> that says, you know, okay, I see your point. And then it strikes me like a sword. And I'm like, oh, you were the humble one again <laughs> first. And then I have to repent, you know, anyway. It is, the, but it, it's hard. That's not an easy thing to be the one to say, okay, I see your point of view. I can understand, and I'm laying down my right to be right. That's, that's hard. Showing tolerance for one another in love and diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And I think of that in a community of believers. I mean, it, it can be difficult in your marriage. How about in a whole group of people? <laughs> There's so many more dynamics that come up. So if, if I'm not mature myself, individually, if I'm not allowing God and others to challenge me, to help me to grow up in my faith, to really grow, if, and if we're not doing that as a couple, the church is not going to do that. And that's for every one of us. We can't expect to be all mature here if we're not mature individually in our homes as spouses, children, in our marriages. It doesn't work that way. The church is a family made up of families. This family will be healthy when our individual families are healthy. And individual marriages will be healthy when individuals become healthy. So if, there's, if we don't know how to deal with conflict in the home, you're not going to know how to deal with it here. And so we're the, he's saying live in a way worthy of your calling. Part of that is preserving a bond of unity through peace. 
where there's not divisions and dissensions and conflict all the time. And that starts in your home. It doesn't start here. It starts in your home. It starts in your marriage. I can't say it enough. It, it has to start with us in the Lord, and it will reflect here in this community and how we relate to one another and how we're actually growing into maturity. And I want to just encourage everybody today, we're going to be talking about this for the next bunch of weeks. Woohoo! <laughs> Who's excited? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's not just like a one quick and done, yeah, let's, look, let's grow up, woohoo, go home. No, there's so many aspects to that, and there's so many things that, uh, you know, it's, again, not head knowledge. It has to be lived out in our lives. I want to encourage you, dig into Ephesians 4 and James 1. If you want to be, those are two of the places we're going to be hanging out for a while. And Romans 5. Ephesians 4, Romans 5, James 1. Dig into them and allow those things to strike your heart and change the way you live. Renew your mind and live it out in your day-to-day, in your marriages, in your homes. Because we need to. It's invitation this year. We need to grow up in the Lord, and we can't do it as a community if we're not doing it individually. Amen? Anybody have something burning in your heart to share? No? Totally fine. So, Father, let's just stand. We're going to just receive from the Holy Spirit. Let him show us if there's any places in us that we need to grow up. Yeah, Lord, you're such a good father. You're such a good father. We thank you for your gentleness and your goodness, God, toward us as your children. Father, I pray that you would show us any place in us, in our marriages, in our homes, individually, in our workplaces, where we need to mature where we need to mature in our understanding of who you are, where we need to mature in our faith, being steadfast in faith, immovable in faith, not shaken by circumstances or what we're seeing in the natural. Father, we want to grow up. We want to mature. As a church family, we want to grow up. We want to mature not just in our gifts, not just in our abilities, but in our understanding of who you are, like Paul said, an accurate knowledge of Christ. Not our own thoughts of who you are, but an accurate knowledge of who you are. We need it, God. We want it and we welcome it here. Just thank you for your goodness toward us, your love and the invitation to be stretched and to know you, to know you, to know who you are really and to be grounded in truth, stabilized in truth. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, everyone knows if anyone wants prayer, we're here to pray.